The Rural Health Voice, Episode 21, Workforce. Welcome to The Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What help is available for someone who wants to be a healthcare provider in rural Virginia? Olivet Burroughs, Health Workforce Specialist with the Virginia Department of Health, Office of Health Equity, joined me to provide information on the variety of programs available. Hello, Olivet. Hello, Beth. How are you? We're doing good. Well, thanks for joining me today, and thanks for being willing to talk about the healthcare workforce in our communities. So starting with what's different about the workforce or healthcare workforce in our rural communities as opposed to urban or suburban? So I feel like in the rural health workforce, there's definitely shortages. I mean, like the urban, there's also shortages, but there's more shortages and there's barriers. You think about the retiring population, um, there's limited education and job opportunities. There's a decline in um, family medicine. Um, the definitely uh, supply and demand. Um, there's just a rising need for uh, chronic care, and there's uh, a lack of providers that can take care of those um, in, in those rural areas. Okay, so harder to get those primary care specialists in our rural communities? Yes, definitely. So how is your office working to fill some of those gaps? So our office is uh, a huge resource. Um, and again, uh, it's the Virginia Department of Health Office of Health Equity, and we work to fill those existing gaps and, and those gaps that we hear about um, that are coming about in the future. So we have um, several different uh, health workforce incentive programs, and I can go through um, them real quickly if you wish. Sure. Um, so first, we have the Virginia State Loan Repayment Program, which is uh, gaining a lot of attention. Um, and what it is is that um, we provide uh, incentive programs and we, qu- we require a community match as well for providers to serve two years in a rural and underserved area. They have to have what we call a health professional shortage area uh, score, um, a HIPSA score for short. And um, they work in the rural and underserved communities for two years in exchange for loan repayment, essentially to reduce their debt. Uh, we also have the Virginia Conrad 30 waiver program. And typically when the uh, graduate medical students, the foreign graduate medical students come to America, they are supposed to return to their home country uh, for two years before they can work in the U.S. The Conrad 30 waiver program waives that um, obligation and they can stay as long as they agree to work in a health professional shortage area or a medically underserved area. We also have the National Interest Waiver Program, which is similar to the Virginia Conrad 30 Waiver Program. The real difference is that 
the national interest waiver, it's five years, and the Virginia Conrad 30 waiver program is three years. We also have four nursing scholarships in the state of Virginia. Um, we have a nurse practitioner, nurse midwife, and nurse educator kind of go along together with the graduate level. We also have a nurse um, LPN and RN scholarship as well. As far as uh, providing technical assistance for federally um, administered programs, there's a National Health Service score, um, which is similar to the state loan repayment program, um, but there's no um, cash match involved. And then we also have the ARC J-1 waiver, which is similar to the Virginia Conrad 30 program. We provide technical assistance for those, um, but we don't fully administer them. So thinking about all those programs at the Office of Health Equity, do you, do you have a, a feel for how many people you help a year to to be able to place them in our rural and underserved communities? So um, as far as um, the state loan repayment program, for example, uh, for this year, we placed 24 providers, um, which is really neat. And so we get $500,000 from the federal government, uh, $300,000 from the state, um, an additional uh, $200,000 of facilities or the community um, is what we call it. They provide that $200,000. So as far as the, the Virginia Conrad 30 waiver, the 30 is key because we receive 30 slots each year. And over the last few years, we've used all of those 30 slots. The national interest waiver it's not as popular because most people don't want to spend five years. And so we have about 10 on average per year. As far as the nursing scholarships collectively, we average on about 65 per year. Now, you mentioned for the one program, people don't want to spend five years. What's the barrier between them not wanting to stay long term? So um, a lot of times you will find uh, the providers who work in those rural areas, although they get the prevailing wage, it's just not as much as they would get in, in different areas as uh, uh, the urban and um, the city areas. Sure. So it's a financial decision for them on top of everything else. Yes, I mean, and they have to consider a whole lot. A lot of them move with their families or they're wanting to start a family. So it's it's a huge financial decision for them. Especially with student loans. Yes. Now, when I talk about a career in healthcare, most people tend to default to thinking about doctors and nurses, but what are some of the other options out there? So um, specifically for our state loan repayment program, we focus on primary care providers. And so while doctors and nurses um, are, are very popular, we also uh, include nurse practitioners, uh, physician assistants, dental professionals, and those include dentists and registered dental hygienists. Um, we also include mental health providers, and, and those include uh, health service uh, psychologists, 
licensed clinical social workers, marriage and family therapists, licensed professional counselors, alcohol and abuse counselors. And this one was actually added just recently um, with the recent opioid um, epidemic. And again, we have registered nurses as well as pharmacists. And those are specific to the state loan repayment program. So those are some of the like the, the special incentives for people to serve in rural communities. Are there other things that, that people want to think about when they want to serve rural communities? So um, one of the things that we are uh, working on um, in the Office of Health Equity is something we call an ambassador program. And so you can only imagine someone moving from a very large city into a rural area. And so we're working to build what we call an ambassador program to kind of build somewhat of a community for those providers. And what it is, is that we want to be able to welcome providers into the community. So we'll be uh, utilizing employers and um the banking folks, real estate, just as many community members and even um, providers who served in those communities before to be able to welcome them into the community, kind of help them get um, acclimated and to kind of quickly acculturate into, into that specific community because when you're moving your family maybe across country um, or from one city to to um, a rural and underserved area, um, you have to think about school, you have to think about jobs for your spouses, um, and you we hear the stories of of the difficulty in uh, moving. Um, to those areas, the spouses cannot find jobs. So we want to be a part of that. Um, and we, we, we want to include the community to help us um, do that as well. Now, a little while ago, I interviewed uh, Dr. Maurice Nida for the podcast, and he's a rural residency director in Southwest Virginia. And he strongly advocated that for healthcare providers being recruited from rural communities, that rural people should serve rural, that we should work on making sure that our, our rural kids have the opportunity to go to medical school and come home. Would you agree with that? So I do agree. Um, as far as um, on, on a personal level, I live in a rural community and I would love to see my children go off and come back into the community. But that kind of limits uh, the number of um opportunities are, I would say, providers um, into a community. So I say welcome folks who are willing, who have the skills, and um, who'll do a good job in the community to help fill those gaps. So if a kid in high school or college is, is thinking about, you know, hey, I grew up in rural America, I want to serve rural America, what options and resources are, are available for those students who want to think about a career in healthcare to be able to serve their home communities? So um, definitely, as it relates to the programs in our office, uh, we have scholarships um, for those nurses. And if we, um, if, if they're interested in 
um, nursing, they can get a scholarship while they're in school. If they're interested in loan repayment, um, they can get those loan repayment options. And specifically, I don't, I'm not sure if you heard of this before, but we have um, additional funding from the Tobacco Commission um, specifically for those areas in the tobacco region. So they're willing to provide funding for those students or um, those folks who have completed their schooling in primary care, Those um, all those disciplines that I mentioned earlier, um, for them to come back to those areas to work and, and they'll get um, a good portion of their loans repaid. And we talked a little bit earlier about there being a lack of primary care providers in our rural communities, but there's a lack of specialists as well, correct? Correct. So what what are some of the barriers and incentives there? So the specialties we have, so with the Virginia Conrad 30 waiver program, we've included uh, specialties and subspecialties um, into our primary care program because we realize that there is a need. So we, as a state, we have that flexibility to include those um, those specialties. But this is specifically to um, those um, foreign medical students who come to the U.S. So we have not fully figured out um, any programs for specialty doctors. I mean, there's been conversations, but we don't have um, a specific program as of yet. Now, if someone's concerned about the lack of healthcare providers in their rural community, what would you suggest that they do? What steps could they take? So, um, I think this is kind of where your organization will come in because I feel like you're a huge advocate um, for rural and underserved. And so I think organizations like yourselves build collaboratives. They can reach out to um, the Virginia Department of Health. Um, we also house the State Office of Rural Health. We also have the Primary Care Office. Um, in in our office as well, so there's there's definitely a lot of um, areas that they can kind of look at and get support on. And if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and healthcare in rural America? So. I work in the Office of Health Equity, and I feel like um, we're working towards fair and quality of care for all the citizens. And so I would continue to do what we're doing, but just to put more money into um education and job development and steer students into those health careers and definitely um, pay off all of their student debt. It shouldn't be a partial payoff. I feel like if I had the power, I would pay off everybody's student debt so they can come um, and give back to the community. There you go. No student loans for anyone. I'm sure there's plenty of medical students that would agree with that. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you, Olivet. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That's Olivet Burroughs advocating for more resources to support people who want to serve rural Virginia. If you want to join her for an in-depth conversation, 
Join the Virginia Rural Health Voice Conference in Martinsville, November 20 and 21st. Olivet will be leading one of the nine interactive discussions on rural health issues in Virginia. For details, visit vrha.org and select Rural Health Voice Conference on the bottom right side of the page. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.